This is the Talking Pictures podcast presented by the Film and Photography Society at UCLA. Today we'll be discussing part two of our romantic comedy analysis, looking at the modern rom-coms A Crazy Rich Agent and Always Be My Maybe. But first, let's do a brief introduction of our host and our favorite romantic comedy trope. So hi, my name's Brianna Rose Hewitt, and I think my favorite trope is fake dating, as seen in movies such as To All the Boys I've Loved Before. In that trilogy, I love seeing the progression from the fake dating to an actual relationship. Isabel, what about you? Hi, my name is Isabel, and although I don't think if you like someone, you should be mean to them first, my favorite trope is probably the enemies to lovers trope, uh, such as When Harry Met Sally, which we discussed last week, just because the beginnings are always so funny. Hi, my name is Jet, and I think my favorite romantic trope is dating multiple people at once and trying to like sneak around it. Last scene is Never Have I Ever, when Davey was dating both boys at the same time. Highly recommend that show. It's a lot of fun. It is. It's a train wreck, but it's a fun train wreck. So, yeah. All right. So just a refresher of our last episode, because this is a two-parter. If you have not listened to last episode yet, I recommend you do so. Um, Pause and go ahead since we really do talk about the origins of romantic comedies and analyze rom-coms that are predecessors of what we'll be talking about today. If you already listened to last week's episode, then the biggest thing you need to remember is that we do not see many box office romantic comedies anymore, and many streaming services such as Netflix produce most romantic comedies watched today. However, ironically, we are actually going to break down a modern box office rom-com first looking deeper into Crazy Rich Asians. And before we do that, I actually wanted to mention that just this month, we saw another box office rom-com with the release of Marry Me, starring Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson, directed by Kat Cairo. It's a little different than the standard box office rom-com release because of COVID, you also have the opportunity to watch it on the streaming service Peacock. And I have not watched Marry Me yet, but the basic synopsis from Google is pop superstar Kat Valdez is about to get married before an audience of her loyal fans. However, seconds before the ceremony, she learns about her fiancé's cheating ways and has a meltdown on stage. And in a moment of inspired insanity, Kat locks eyes of a total stranger in the crowd and marries him on the spot. As forces conspire to separate the unlikely newlyweds, they must soon decide if two people from different worlds can truly find love together. And so far on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 59% critic score and 92% audience score. Many other critics saying it was are saying it was appropriate for Valentine's Day and has tropes reminiscent of old rom-coms, but they don't expect it to be nominated for any awards. And it reminded a lot of people of Notting Hill, which was a movie I loved, but many critics said that there was nothing original about it. And I want to contrast that to Crazy Rich Asians, which actually got a 90% critic score and only a 76% audience score. Reminder that Mary Me scores can still fluctuate as it's still only just in its first few weeks of box office. And it did win a Critics' Choice Award for Best Comedy. So I thought that was just something interesting to note and could lead us more into our discussion about Crazy Rich Asians. And Jay, I didn't know if you want to kind of introduce our listeners to Crazy Rich Asians and the synopsis of it, as well as your opinion. Crazy Rich Asians came out in 2018 and stars Constance Wu and Henry Golding, who is believed to be an up-and-coming rom-com star. 
It was directed by John Chu, and the basic premise is Rachel Chu, played by Constance, and Nick Young, played by Henry, are dating and living in New York. He asks her to come and meet his family in Singapore, where she learns he comes from the richest family in Asia. And now she is fighting to get approval from his snobby mother and mostly out-of-touch family members, all while hanging out with her quirky friend and family. This movie was extremely successful and received a lot of hype for its all-Asian cast, which isn't commonly shown in Hollywood, and is based on a book by Kevin Kwan. So I remember you told me just last week that Crazy Rich Asians was one of the few rom-coms you've seen before um, starting this podcast. So I was wondering what your opinions were of the movie. Yeah, so I watched it when it first came out and I just rewatched it a couple days ago. And I never really saw rom-coms as like a genre that I could like rewatch. Like it didn't seem like a really rewatchable genre for me. But after rewatching this, I really liked it. I thought it was just as good as when I originally watched it. And I think just because in the past couple of years, I've been taking a lot of more like film and television analysis classes, I realized a lot of aspects of the movie that I didn't notice when it first came out, which again, like made it more enjoyably for me to watch. I really liked how I felt Nick and Rachel like, we didn't just get their relationship, but we got how family and society is judging their relationship, which I guess is similar to the new rom-com that's coming out, like Marry Me. But I felt like because the family was the source of conflict in the movie, that the tension kind of felt suffocating at times, which is good because I feel like you have to have good tension in the movie. But yeah, it felt suffocating at times just because like the family is always around them and people know every little detail of what's going on. Even like in the first 10 minutes or whatever, Nick and Rachel are at a restaurant and they're just like talking to each other. And then two girls see Nick with Rachel and one of them walks by and takes a picture of both of them. And then after that, it's like a whole montage of people talking about them and gossiping about them. And like even while they're at dinner, word goes around of who he's with, who Rachel really is, and then instantly Nick's mom calls Nick and talks about it. So you could definitely see how everybody's always in each other's business, and I felt like that was a good conflict in the film. And I also felt like the set design was really good, and I know that's something that you're interested in, Brianna. But yeah, it's a really great movie. There's a lot of things that I was picking up on this time, my second time around, that I wasn't really paying attention to the first time. Yeah, I definitely agree. The set design is absolutely stunning. I love the wedding scene where they're watching their friends get married. And my biggest complaint is how that scene always focuses on Rachel and Nick's expressions. Because I really just want to take in the setting around them and how beautiful the costuming and the set is. I just can't even imagine how much it actually would cost to put on a wedding like that, even though I think they do say it in the movie. And Isabel, I would love to hear your opinions as well. So the first time I watched this movie, I was watching purely from the standpoint of just, you know, regular audience member enjoying great modern rom-com, and I really liked it. I love seeing all the extravagance and parties from Nick's family, and also their love was just so cute and easy to root for. 
But after watching the movie for a second time, I started doing some research just to see what other people were saying about the movie out of curiosity to get a better perspective. And I ended up really focusing on the fashion and how it represented each character so well, which I did not pick up on the first time I watched it. Just a few examples like Pig Lingo's dog patterned pajama set that she wore in the movie that really plays to her humor. And then also Astrid's chic looks that show how she's down to earth, but also very elegant. And especially Rachel's light blue dress at the end. She almost looks like Cinderella which to me really symbolizes that while this movie illustrated a lot of real world issues and it didn't feel too otherworldly to me the dress made her feel like a princess and weddings are magical. Brianna what do you think of the movie? I really liked it I watched it I remember the first time I watched it I went with my friends it was my senior year in high school it was a Friday we went to go see it in the movie theater by our school and I remember having so much fun watching it and I watched it a lot with my mom and my family it's definitely a standard rom-com in our household in addition to all the rom-coms we watched during the golden age and what I think was really great about Crazy Rich Asians is that it still really pulled tropes of the rom-com such as the romanticized fantasy you really see that rich lifestyle in Singapore that few people will ever get to experience really feeding into that escapist world that traditionally defined rom-coms but it also really did pull more realistic struggles such as meddling in-laws, parenting struggles, family secrets that eventually come out and all those elements that a lot of audience members were initially looking for when criticizing original rom-coms. And so I brought, thought I brought in like the aspects of the golden age, but also bringing in more modern aspects. And that's really what made it innovative and unique and probably what Marry Me is missing based off of critic reviews of what we see so far. So I think for a modern box office, Crazy Rich Asians is very well done. I know it's not too accurate to the book as per my mom and one of my high school teachers always talked about, but I think just looking at it from the movie aspect, I think it was it was pretty well done and a sequel should be coming out soon. So that should be interesting to see um, if the sequel will live up to the hype of what the first one was. And so for sake of time, I want to lead to Always Be My Maybe, which is our streaming rom-com for this analysis. And Isabel, if you want to go ahead and introduce that one. Yeah, of course. So Always Be My Maybe is a 2019 romantic comedy produced by Netflix, directed by Nanachka Khan, and it stars Ali Wong and Randall Park, who play Sasha Tran and Marcus Kim. Sasha and Marcus are childhood best friends. Um, Sasha grew up with absent parents and was always at Marcus's house when they were growing up. And then the two separate after senior year of high school after having a fight when Marcus's mom passed away in an accident. And uh, 16 years later, the two reunite when Sasha, who's now a celebrity chef, returns to the San Francisco area to open a new restaurant and runs into Marcus, who's now working with his father in heat and air. He basically installs her air conditioning and the two banter and have obstacles such as current relationships, different lifestyles, etc. before eventually ending up together. So, uh, Brianna, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so I rewatched Always Be My Maybe for the first time this weekend in two years, and I forgot for a streaming movie how well done it was. To All the Boys is usually like my go-to Netflix rom-com, but I really appreciate this one for keeping those tropes of friends and enemies into lovers, but still engaging in it, yet not being overdone 
For example, one of the last scenes where Marcus is at the red carpet confessing his love to Sasha and asking if he could essentially be the guy who uh, who holds her purse really reminded me of that end scene of when Harry met Sally at the New Year's party where he's also confessing his love to her, but it was still original in its own right because the storyline is completely different than from when Harry met Sally. And also, I really just wanted to bring up the random appearance of Keanu Reeves and all those random scenes he's in, because that's so funny to me. And I think people really tend to underestimate Netflix movies, including myself, but they really got some um, brownie points and respect when they brought in this huge Hollywood star, because I think during this time, 2019, we weren't seeing too many big-time stars in Netflix besides uh, Sandra Bullock and Bird Box, but that's all I can think of. So it was really cool to see this like non-Netflix big Hollywood star come in and really up the film, but in like a comedic light, since I think he's more a serious actor to begin with, with The Matrix and all that. I also like how we see Sasha as the powerful, more established one in the relationship. She has a good career, she's rich, and really makes something of herself, really, um... Switching to gender roles, she's a breadwinner when we usually see the male as that. And I did see a review where the critic wished that the writing gave Sasha more scenes to show her craft, which would have further helped solidify her talent, which I really wasn't thinking about. But I actually agree, especially since her making food into a million dollar business was a big part of the plot. And it would have been really great to see that talent showcased a little more to really show like how much of a powerful woman she was. But overall, um, I don't really have too many complaints about the movie. Also, I love that it was another cast of representation, giving Asian actors like a chance to have a love life on screen, which is significant and huge. I remember when I took an Asian American studies class, we talked about how you don't usually see Asian men or women as desirable on the big screen. And what I liked is for Crazy Rich Asians, I think most people would agree that Henry Golding is more conventionally attractive than Randall Park. So is more likely that you would see him as like a male lead who has like a successful love life. But to see um, Randall Park eventually have that happy ending in the end and I'm still giving him a love story uh, was really, really cool to me. Um, and so Jet, I would love to uh, hear your thoughts. Yeah, so I love this movie. This was my first time watching it. I think halfway through the movie, I realized that I watched like little bits and pieces of it, but I never saw the whole thing. So it was a great experience to watch the full thing fully for the first time. Um, I thought it was really like genuinely funny. And I think a lot of that comes from the cast, Randall Park, Michelle Buteau, I think it is, and Ali Wong. And I've only known Ali Wong through a couple of her specials and Tuka and Birdie, but I felt like she was a really great actress in this movie. After watching this, I definitely see how rom-coms are a comforting an uplifting genre for people to watch. I get the appeal to them now. Or not just watching this, but like watching these four rom-coms that we've been watching the past couple weeks. Like I definitely see why there's a draw to this genre and why there's a market for it, even though that's slowly dying, but hopefully coming back. Something that I realized about like the characters is that they never really stopped loving or caring for each other. I think that they were just out of sync for most of their, their lives. They both like wanted different things and I think that's where a lot of like the conflict comes from it's not really that they don't like each other it's just that they want different things and had different plans for their lives I like that we saw the family relationship between the two characters how Marcus interacts with his father 
and how Sasha interacts with her parents. I know that she didn't feel nurtured by her parents. So that's kind of like a conflict that Sasha and Marcus have. Marcus wants to stay close to his home because he was really close to his parents now that his mother died. And Sasha doesn't really feel that. So she doesn't have reason to stay in San Francisco. The Keanu Reeves scene, I know that you really liked it and I thought it was hilarious. Again, like you said, I never really considered Keanu Reeves to be a comedy actor, even though I know he has done some comedic roles. But again, I felt like it was just surprising how funny I found him, especially in the after party scene at the hotel where he just grabs that vase and crashes it on his head. I thought that was so funny. I just liked, it wasn't really like an enemies to lovers for me. It's just like friends that never really had the chance, which I guess is, that's basically the title of it. But yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. I loved the development of their relationship and how it showed conflicting opinions on their personal lives. Awesome. I love how you're starting to see how rom-coms are really a comfort genre. And I too hope that they aren't dying despite what all critics are saying. And so, Isabel, I would love to hear your thoughts before we wrap up on this episode. Yeah, so first off, I also love that Keanu Reeves is in the movie. Definitely was a blast from the past. And while I love all these new actors that are always coming from the Netflix movies, sometimes seeing a familiar face appear is you know, just what you need in one of those, so... I think this movie illustrates another rom-com trope that I love, which is childhood friends ending up together in the end. And I think it was so well cast because Randall Park always does so well playing the role of an amiable and likable person. He's always so likable in his roles, and I love him as an actor. He almost feels like your childhood friend. Like, I just, his smile is just very contagious. Going off what Jet said about how they had different paths in life but the love was always there i really relate to that in the movie because i've had a few relationships in my life that are like that and sometimes even though i don't see those people very often they feel like the strongest relationships in my life because you know that time and space can't separate you now time for concluding thoughts on this whole past couple weeks of rom-coms so personally i really like this i like being able to like explore new genres or genres that I'm not really familiar with. So I thought this was a great excuse to do it. And you guys both know a lot more than I do about rom-coms. So it was a great time to like have a discussion with you about it. I'm excited to watch more in the future. I hear Clueless is a great rom-com. Do you guys have any other ones you recommend me watching? Clueless is great. I always consider Clueless more coming of age than rom-com, but it definitely has that rom- those rom-com elements in there. I think my favorite rom-com, which is highly debated among my friends, is Pretty Woman. I love it. People say it has a savior complex, but I disagree. I think you're reading it wrong if you think it has a savior complex, but that's just me. It is a great classic, but you will cry. Okay, that's the one where the wife is dying of dementia, correct? Right. The proposal is also very funny. I love Sandra Bullock. She was a big, like, rom-com actress. Yes, yes. I, I could do a whole podcast on Sandra Bullock. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Sandra Bullock rom-coms are key. I will message you after this with all all the recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just finishing thoughts. Um, I feel like these two rom-coms do a great job of balancing reality and mysticality and watching them gives me more of an actual lasting sense of hope and appreciation for the movies rather than creating unrealistic expectations like I talked about last week a bit. And they just show that there can be happy, happily ever afters here in the real world. So, 
Yes, I agree. I think it's so interesting seeing the evolution of rom-coms. And while we're never going to go back to that golden age, I hope there's more rom-coms like Crazy Rich Asians where they're going to pull out those best aspects from golden age just for like storyline but also nostalgia purposes and bring new world twist on it so i'm excited to see what other rom-coms there are when my schedule dies down probably over spring break i'll be interested to see marry me make my own ideas and analysis on that but i'll always love rom-coms even the ones that are super cheesy and bad because sometimes you just have to take things for what they are so yeah, I think that's all our concluding thoughts. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and we will see you in the next episode. Today's episode was hosted by Brianna Rose Hewitt, Jet Nelson, and Isabel Olson. Produced by Phoebe Wang, Dylan Mahoney, and Megana Gordy. Edited by Phoebe Wang and Dylan Mahoney. And executive produced by Anuradha Srikanth. Thank you for listening.